Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so glad that you have decided to spend uh, your Sunday with us. Uh, we hope so far you've been encouraged. And uh, what we're going to do for just the next few moments is dig into God's Word together. And uh, every time we do that, we really come expecting a God to speak to us. And uh, if you haven't grown up in church or church is new to you, uh, this can maybe appear like a classroom setting where you have somebody like myself who has a teaching position of some sort, and you, and you listen. Uh, but that's actually different than what hap- happens in the, the church community. Uh, in the church community, what God does is he actually speaks directly. Now, he uses people, and he uses even songs that could really speak to us and encourage us, uh, but he wants to speak to you today, and he wants to speak to me. And he does that through his word. His word actually gives us insight, gives us help. And so no matter where you are, Today, I know you, if you're like me, have a lot going on on your mind. Anyone woke up this morning thinking of all that you have to do this next week? Anyone? Yeah. It's like you just can't stop thinking about it. And then maybe you get distracted with something and then you keep coming back to all those things. And that's actually how life is. But in the middle of it, all that we have going on, God wants to to help us and guide us. And so my prayer for all of us today is that we'll really sense God is, is leading us forward. He's, he's calling us forward, and we can follow him because he's trustworthy. Uh, if you're new to following Christ or you're investigating Christianity, saying God is trustworthy is something that you may not actually believe because you may not know him. But what you'll find is as you take little steps, maybe you decide, okay, with well, this one area, I'll decide to do what God says. When you decide to do that, just in one area, God oftentimes, as we obey him in the small things, he really does come through. So wherever you are, you are welcome here, and I hope that this is a really uh, challenging and encouraging time for you this morning. Uh, we are on a series called Beginning Again, and this picture, I think, speaks a thousand words, the idea of how do we kind of shed uh, the darkness of life, uh, the things that we struggle with, and then how do we actually experience uh, new life, like hope, light, and you'll see that kind of expressed. Uh, it's interesting, the surrounding uh, scenery is, is what? Can you see? It's a cemetery. Like, man, I came to church, and it's just like, all I see is gravestones. Not that encouraging, but life can feel like that at times, like where it's just, it feels like it's all dead around us. But this is the hope that we have, that as we reach out to God, as we look to him, we can actually escape the darkness and experience some of that new life that he has promised to us. And so uh, if you're just joining us, I want to just recap where we've been in this series. We're on the fifth week. So the last four weeks, we've talked about numerous things in different areas of life. The first thing is we talked on Easter Sunday as we launched and celebrated the resurrection of Christ. We talked about how we can begin again, not because of our own effort or our intelligence or all that we've done, but we can begin again because of Jesus. His new life gives us new life. And that's the foundation of everything. Uh, The week after that, We talked about how we can experience beginning again from our past, despite shame, regret. As you look back and it just seems so dismal, uh, God can actually offer you real forgiveness. There's forgiveness that God gives you that you can't get from anywhere else because he's our creator. He made us. So when God forgives us, we are forgiven wholly and completely. There's nothing. There's no blemish. Now, we still have to deal with that and fight with that, but we can have a fresh start. And then the week after that, we talked about thinking, how we can stop thinking the same old thoughts that cause us to be in the same old place. 
and how we can renew our mind. And then last week, we talked about relationships. When trust is broken, how can we experience a renewal and a restoration of those things through love and faithfulness? And today, we're gonna shift gears again and we're gonna talk about money. Now, how many of you think the worst thing that could ever happen is to come to church and they talk about money, right? It's so stereotypical. That's all they talk about. It's actually very interesting as you look at money because Jesus talked about money again and again and again and again in his three years of earthly ministry. And when you dig in the Old Testament that's written before when Jesus came, there's so much talked about money. The reason is, is we think about money a lot. Would you agree with that? We always are thinking about money. For me personally, I'm thinking of things like inflation and money. And how does that work? What it means is the months get really long as your paycheck gets really short. That's what it feels like. I've mentioned this numerous times, so I keep beating a dead horse, but every time I go to the gas station, I think about money. Did I fuel up four cars or was this just mine? It's an amazing thing. We can also uh, struggle with money just in, we look at past spending. The past, again, it keeps coming up. And we can make decisions years ago that can cost us today. And then we look to the future and we can get into fear related to money. What if I don't have enough to retire? How are my kids gonna afford college? What are we gonna do if, if they can't? And you begin to look at all of these things and they can just overwhelm us. And so it would be a disservice for me as a pastor, the leader of this church, and also from God himself, if he didn't give us help regarding money, because we think about it a lot, we orbit around it a lot, and what we need is God's perspective on it. We all have thoughts on it, we all have experiences with it, but what we need is perspective. We need his help. We need to know, how can I, if I decide to follow Jesus, how does that impact even the way that I spend my money? What you find is as you begin to do things God's way, like I've already mentioned, you can find a tremendous amount of freedom. So what I wanna do is I wanna start with just some perspective. Okay, perspective is the lens in which you look through things. It impacts everything that you see. It's just like glasses that you have on. Everything that you're seeing comes through those lenses. So perspective is how do I make sure that I'm seeing things the right way? And there are a lot of various perspectives on money. There's perspectives that you have and I have that come from how we grew up. You may be from a frugal family. Anyone would say, like, my family was frugal. Anyone? It's okay. You can raise your hands. I am one of them. My mom could pinch a penny like nothing else. We were a very frugal family. Now, how many of your families, you grew up like, no, you know, we just kind of bought what we wanted. Anyone? Now everyone's like nervous. Okay, some, some. These are the people you want to hang out with, Okay. Watch out for the frugals, hang out with the extravagance, okay? Uh, but, but those experiences when we grow up uh, really impact us. And then we watch movies, we listen to songs, we consume media, and they also talk about money and resources, success, riches, the good life. Schools talk about it. it it's, it's all in our culture. And those give us messages as well. Uh, here's something that I want to just uh, encourage you with. And this is really the overarching point. It's this. It's our financial future can look so much better than our financial past. And that is a central truth to beginning again in every area. 
You could sub out financial for relational, for work, for life. But no matter what's happened in the past, you can have a brighter future. If not, what hope do we have? And so no matter where you are in money, if you're struggling, uh, us as a church, we really want to help you. Just like life, though, it's complicated and there's lots of decisions that you have made and I've made that take a lot of decisions to unravel. And so it's not a quick fix. You can't listen to somebody like myself talking. You're like, that's it. My whole financial future is solved. But we can come alongside you to help you. And so if you recognize some things, this sermon is really a bridge to what are some further steps. And so we, we want to help you uh, take those steps. But I really do believe this. So let's dig into some key uh, perspective. Uh, there's a quote, though, I want to share that is perspective-driven. This is Calvin Coolidge. It says, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. That is a lens for which you see what you've been given. And I thought about that. Isn't that so true? Nobody's ever recognizing the people that received a lot of money. It's always what they do with it. And what I hope to do in this sermon is show you, no matter your financial forecast, no matter if you're young, no matter how old you are, to realize that you've been given a lot, even if it doesn't show up directly in your finances. You've been given a lot. And because you've been given a lot, even life itself is valuable and precious. And you've been given time. Our life is actually measured in not what we've been given, but in what we give. That is a very different perspective. I believe our culture's perspective would be your life is measured on what you spend, on what you accumulate, on what you can show people from what you have. We're a very show-me culture. That's why nobody really goes looking for like, how can I get a car that I can afford? That's not flashy. It's how can I get a car that everyone wants, right? That's in all of us. Like, that's driven, but that's, that's perspective. So let's dig in how to reset financially. And I want to start with two big picture thoughts. And the first is this. Acknowledge that my ability to make money is a gift from God. That's a key perspective. We live in a culture where it's like you are self-made. Nobody is self-made. Even the core of that idea is so crucial to growing into the person that God's created you to be. Because if you're self-made, you're basically saying, I did not need a God to create me. Well, if a God did not create you, you would not be here. So the Christian life has some assumptions, and this is one of them. God gave each of us life, and it's a gift. And the very fact that we have energy, and we have a mind and a personality, and we have skills that we can grow, all come from the hand of God who gave us life, who created us with a mind that can actually learn, face challenges, and know how to solve them. When you look at the human race, it's actually amazing. The advances, the intelligence. Sometimes you wonder how intelligent we are right? Like, for how smart we are, we seem to make a lot of mistakes. But at the core, there's this success and advancement that, that happens. And even that is a gift that comes uh, from God. Check out this passage in James chapter 1. This is in the New Testament. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brother. So again, I talk about this a lot. Anytime the scriptures say, don't be deceived, there's a reason for that. It's giving you an alarm. 
You'll be deceived here. You'll be deceived here. I don't know why an alarm and snapping my fingers makes sense. I should be, that, wasn't, that was a dog. That was a dog howl. <laughs> How do you make an alarm sound? I don't even know. We'll move on, okay? Do not be deceived means you're likely to be deceived. My brother's like, listen. It's like this term of endearment. Listen, you're gonna fight for this reality again and again and again. And then he goes on. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift does not come from you. You couldn't create your own life. God gave it to you. And the passage goes on and it says, he can't lead us astray. It's this perfect gift. It comes down from this Father of lights. Now the Father of lights is, is really this connotation of uh, he's good, he doesn't have ulterior motives. Now, that's really interesting when you talk about money. Because one of the things you could struggle with is like, why would I give God my money? Why would I trust to do what God says with my money? Right? Well, because he's the father of lights. He's pure in his motives. He's right. He's just. What he's saying is true. And then it says, there's no variation or shadow due to change. In a world where everything changes and you're told one thing and then it shifts and you need to do something else, God is a faithful God and his word endures and it endures forever. His perspective, his guidance, his truth never changes. So the idea is God has given us life and life is a gift. And because he's a God that's good, who gave us this life, we can trust them. So the first perspective related to money, related to this point, is that I need to be filled with gratefulness. So anything that you can learn related to money, if you can kind of get that wired in first, I'm grateful for what I've been given, that will solve many issues for you financially. Because most of our bad decisions financially come from the fact that we're not content. Would you agree with that? Man, do you know how many bad decisions I made because I just wanted something? Super, super bad. You ever done that? You just wanted it so bad and then you bought it and then you're like, man, that wasn't great at all. That's happened numerous times. Years ago, I've shared this before. I probably need to retire this after today. So this is the last time you hear this. Years ago, my wife and I, We've got suckered into a few like little infomercial things. You ever done that? I'm just, I'm, this is confession time. And we were watching Turbo Jam. It's like an infomercial. And these people are just like, I'm not going to do exercises because I've had back issues that like I don't want to pull something. But um, they're doing this. Maybe I should have done Turbo Jam. But anyways, um, the, the idea is, you know, you buy these DVDs. They train you how to work out. And it's like, everyone just looks completely like, you know, if you buy this, you're going to look like us. And you're like, well, I want to look like them. Spandexed up, you know? TMI, sorry about that. But, um, but they're working out. They're just, you know, let's do this together. You could do it. And, you know, you just, you just buy this thing for like a certain amount of payments. You know? We bought that. Just like we looked at each other. I was like, we, we're Turbo Jam people. <laughs> we need this. 
We never put a DVD. This was old school. You couldn't stream back then. We never even opened the DVDs. Don't, don't be sad. It was a bad financial decision. But I wanted something, and it drove me to do something. But it was, it was just a waste of money. I've made bigger mistakes than that. But even those things, it, it comes from this place where I wasn't content. So what the scriptures are saying is don't be deceived. If you're discontent and you keep wanting things that you don't have, you'll never make good decisions, ever. It's not just financial, it's anything. You're discontent in a relationship, you're gonna make bad decisions in that relationship. You're discontent in your work, you're gonna make bad decisions in your work. So you have to turn to God who gave you life, who made you who you are, and ask him for help. And he's trustworthy and he's good and he will give it. So remember, the lens in which we look at this area is so important. I need to recognize that my life and everything I've been given is a gift. And that should lead me to gratefulness for God. If you do that, that changes a lot of the decisions that you'll make. Uh, Number two is this. Learn and follow God's guidance for wise money management. No, now see the word guidance there. So the first thing is acknowledge my ability. It's a gift. So gift, gift that leads to gratefulness. You just remember that gift leads to gratefulness. The second is guidance. If you want to make progress in your life in any area, You have to come to a point where you're willing to allow God to guide you. Most of us struggle with guiding ourselves. We feel like we have an internal compass that we magically know exactly where to go and what to do at all times. But the issue is with life, as we look back on it, we realize like, actually, I made made a lot of mistakes. In fact, I'm lost most of the time. In fact, I get kind of messed up in my equilibrium. I'm not sure which way to go. And as you're honest with yourself, you realize like we want to be our own guide We're driven to be our own guide. We don't want anyone else to tell us what to do, except we keep going in circles. This perspective is very important. For you to grow and make progress, you have to admit that you cannot guide yourself. Your mechanism of direction to lead you forward is broken. Sin has broken it. It's like the magnet to the compass. It just messes everything up. You no longer know what to do and how to do it. But if you admit in humility, I need guidance, I need help, I need God to lead me, I need God to lead me forward, uh, he'll do that. So life is a gift that can lead to gratefulness. And then God is a guide. And the question is, will I let him lead me? Will I let him lead me in my life? Which includes the stuff that I've got, my money, my resources, my time. Will I let him lead me? Proverbs 21.5, this is a promise. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. This is a really helpful scripture because diligence is required to allow God to guide you. Believe it or not, God does not just guide us blindly. God does not treat us like robots. He doesn't flip a switch when we ask him to guide us and all of a sudden he takes over. We're not robots. God guides us, but we consistently have to battle our own will and the struggles and the way that we've done things our whole life. We still have to battle that. Now with his help, when you decide to follow Christ, he lives inside you. That's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit 
begins to change you and convict you and help you. But there's still so many battles that you have in your life. Our finances are one of them. What this scripture is saying is the plans is, is purpose and thought. If you're willing to give purpose and thought to all of the resources that God has given you, not just haphazardly think about it, not think about it at all, but if you give planning to it, you think about it. You want to know what God thinks about your resources, um, things happen. So the plans, purpose, and thought of the diligent, to be diligent means to be determined, to be eager. Uh, literally, it means to be sharp. The idea is if you have some uh, soil that you want to plant something, and the reason you want to plant something is to produce fruit that you could get a harvest that would bless your family and others. How do you get fruit from the ground? What do you have to do first? You have to dig the soil. So determined means sharp, like a trencher that cuts out the soil so the seed can get in so the fruit can come. Now, what if you wanted to be a farmer who grew things? In this area, we're seeing a growing number of farmers. As inflation is on the rise, chicken purchases are on the rise as well, right? But for things to happen, for you to grow things, you have to do the work. But could you imagine wanting fruit from the seed, but you never put the seed in the ground? How much fruit are you going to have? Zero. You're going to have a nice packet of seeds, but you don't have much to show for it. It's the same. God, bless me and my finances. That's like having a packet of seeds. And God says, I will. You need to give purpose and thought. You need to have plans according to my ways. That means you need to know them. And then you need to be diligent. So you need to get with strength and determination, and you need to dig out a course for what God's given you to maximize it for his purposes. You need to get that trencher in, cut open that soil, and put those seeds in. I don't know about you. I want the fruit. I don't want to trench it. How many of you can relate to that? It's like, I want the blessing, not so much the work. All of us can relate to that and everything. It's like quick fix. Come on. Can't Amazon just do that? Two days, just solve it. No, that could actually lead to more problems. Amazon. But this area, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Now, notice the next part. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Here's the thing. If anyone is telling you in your life that you can do anything quickly and easily without consequences, they're probably not telling you the truth. If you've made a lot of mistakes financially in your life, there is no quick fix. Why? Because there are creditors that will hunt you down, right? There's no easy magic key for them. They have your number have my number. So there's no quick fix. Our decisions really matter. So this idea of, of hasty is you get so squeezed financially, and this actually happens in all sorts of life. You feel the pressure. You get so squeezed and you get hasty. You know what it means? It literally means to withdraw. Life is stressing me out. Money is stressing me out. People are stressing me out. California is stressing me out. Everything is stressing me out. Are you getting stressed by me saying it? It's like stressing myself out hearing me say that. 
squeezed, 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 but you don't pop. Instead, you do this. You just withdraw. The pressure's on, I withdraw. This is a pattern in most of us. God wants to get our attention. He wants to help us. And the pressure and the heat of life turns up. Things are falling apart. What the scripture is saying is, if you allow to do the hard work and you lean in, you allow him to do the work inside you. Don't you check out. Don't you withdraw. Don't you isolate. You're going to have some abundance in your life. He's going to grow some things that will be beautiful, that could bless you, that could bless your family and many others. I heard a pastor once say this, humility is the highest value in effective money management. I think that's such an important idea because most of the time with money, it's confusing, right? Who's the paycheck written to? It's written to you, right? Who's the bank account's name in? Yours. When you write checks, who signs it? Everyone, you guys know what a check is? Check is a, it's, a, it's something you, you, okay. Some young people are like, I don't even know. I've never heard of that. So the issue with all these things is money is always attached to us in our name. So then, you know, we, we kind of just like to put our hands around it. It's mine. It's mine. No one could speak into this because it's mine. I earned it. But then if you go back to the first point, you earned it because of the life that God gave you. So this idea, it is kind of radiating in every area of life. But if you have humility, like I don't have it all together, even if I'm making good decisions, even if I've had a practice and years and years of, of good experience, there's still things I can learn, even what to do with my money and even what to do in my life. This will serve you well. Humility actually leads to success. So those are two overarching points. Now I want to get into just some practical things. I'm going to go pretty quickly here. And so as I read a scripture, if you want to like look more into that, I encourage you to do that. You can read that on your own time. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you, read the Bible for yourself. As I bring up something, read that on your own this week. We have Bibles on the next step area. Uh, please pick one up. So practically, uh, this means first, I need to adopt God's perspective. Uh, the perspective is the key. So I need to, again, if he guides me, then I'm willing to adopt what he says. I'm gonna adopt his perspective. I wanna see things his way. Here's a really important point. First, he's the owner of everything I possess. Now, this is linked to the fact that he's made you. If he's made you and he's given you life, then actually everything that comes from you is connected to him because he is the ultimate owner. In terms, if somebody's an owner, then somebody else is a steward. And what we are is we're the stewards. We're taking care of what he's given us. So now it goes from like, this is mine and God has no access to actually God has given it to me. I need to take care of what he's given me. That's different perspective. And that's part of what we need to adopt. Psalm 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So the earth, does that include a lot? That's a pretty big category for stuff. Do we live on the earth? So guys, these aren't trick questions. Like some of, you know, you're like, well, 
I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to figure that one out. Yeah, we all live on the earth, right? So it's like everything is connected to him because it's his. The earth is the Lord's. It's his. He made it. And then I even like, and the fullness. It's like he made it. And then everything that has grown out of it is his. Uh, in the scriptures, it actually gets specific. In Haggai 2.8, it says, God owns all the silver and gold. All the land on the earth. All of the real estate on earth is his. That's Leviticus 25.23. Every animal belongs to him. Psalm 50, 10 through 12. Again, the stewardship He's given us the things like animals for us to enjoy, to take care of, and to eat. It's good. God cares for us. He loves us. But because he's the owner, we're just taking care of it. We're we're just leasing. So that's an important perspective. He's the owner of everything I possess. Uh, A second important perspective is this, uh, and these are important, I guess what you could say is assumptions. If you want to make progress, you want to dig that trench, Second is this, I know my financial condition. Have you ever been scared to look at your checkbook or your bank accounts? Anyone? I have. There's been times in my life, like I've just done the calculations of when things will post and when I get paid. And I just hope somewhere in between, dear Lord, we pray for a miracle. That can happen. There's a lot of months sometimes when our money runs out. But this idea is you can't run from your financial condition. You actually need to know what it is. Um, It's very important. Proverbs 27 says this, know well the condition of your flocks. Uh, This is written in the Old Testament. The idea is uh, people had their wealth from what they owned. So this is talking to somebody who was like a shepherd. Well, a shepherd knows its wealth based on the sheet that it has. Just like for us, we know our wealth based on the money that we have in the bank. But here, you'd have to know certain things. So it says, know know the condition. What's the condition of your flocks? Like, if your sheep are almost dying, the value that you have in that sheep is not nearly as much as you thought. And then give attention to your herds. Pay attention to the herds that you have and know how many there are. For riches do not last forever. And does it crown and door to all generations? This is helpful. Know the condition of the flocks. is like, there's things that you've been given that actually can even extend beyond you. Your resources. You could pass those on to your kids. They could pass them on to their kids. But if you don't know the condition, and it's in bad condition, and you don't dig that trench to make changes, what you have can be gone. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is there's things that we've been given right now that could only last our generation if we don't take care of them it would end. But instead, we have an opportunity to extend it further. So I know my financial condition, that's important. And then the third is debt weighs me down and slows progress. The scriptures do not have a positive view of debt. Now, I think there are certain situations where you need to go in debt. For me personally, if my wife and I are to ever buy a house, I'm not just gonna open the old cabinet by the bed and just here's, $700,000. So I know, just even saying that. And that may be low. I saw houses in Fontana this week going for over a million dollars. 
there you go. We're like the new Orange County over here, right? But the idea is with debt, um, there are certain instances, like if you're making a large purchase, it, like that could be wise debt. But for the most part, debt is not wise. And the scriptures say the, says this, uh, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. If you're in debt to something, you don't own it. Guess what? Yeah, it owns you. But again, it's harder to go in debt if you have the perspective that I'm really grateful for what I have. If I can't afford it, maybe I shouldn't get it. That's really helpful. If I can't afford it, maybe I shouldn't get it. Everyone say that. If I can't afford it, maybe I... (laughs) So depressing, right? But that will save you a lot of heartache. Okay, so that's God's perspective. He's gonna give us the help. He's gonna guide us. We're gonna need diligence. We need gratefulness. Finally, I wanna turn the corner and how to approach planning his way. And I'm wrapping up in time, but this is really important. So there might be some perspective you've already heard. Is it something like I need to focus on some gratefulness instead of my discontentment? Do I need to shift from I'm in control and everything is mine to God has given it to me? Do I need to engage and know my financial condition? Do I need to know what's actually going on so I can identify the problems? Do I need to actually think through, if I don't have money for it, I shouldn't get it. Do I need to really recite that to myself for a while? So what's God saying to you? So as you think about that, I wanna just give a brief flyover of wise financial planning God's way. You've never heard this? This might be new. For some of you, it might be a review. Uh, Here's an image I wanna start with. This is like the stewardship pie. According to scripture, based on what we've been given, uh, God actually wants us to live. Yay, God, right? Thank you, God. Yeah, he wants us to live. That's why he gave us life. That's important. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to live. He wants you to make the most of it. But you can't enjoy life to its fullest and miss other things, okay? First is giving The scriptures actually command us to give off the top. In the Old Testament, this was called first fruits. You give God your first and your best. Why? Because it reminds you who gave you the life that gave you the opportunity to make the money. So it's just a reminder. As you give, it puts things into perspective. It tames your heart and all of the desires. Save for the future. Think ahead for emergencies. If you don't save, and then a big purchase comes up, if you don't have the money, guess what? You go into debt. That causes problem. And if you do have debt, you need to actually pay some money towards it to make progress. If this makes you a slave, the faster you pay that off, the freer you are. The freer you are, the better choices you can make. So with that, you'll see you can live. It's 70% debt. It's 10%. Save, 10%. Give, 10%. The biblical approach to giving is actually you give 10% of your money back to God. Some of you are like, what on earth? That could sound crazy. But in view of everything I've talked about, isn't that in line with the God who gave us everything, with how gracious he is to actually give us the opportunity, just give him 10, just a portion of that. 
Now here you see that there's debt. Now if you've paid off debt, if you go to the next slide, uh, you can then invest. So that saving before was for short term, but to invest is, is long term. What are things I can do to actually bless my kids and their kids? Isn't that what you want to do? That's what I want to do. And so th- this is important. So let's start. First, give of the top. And I want to just say this. We talk about beginning again, and it's never too late. One of the things that can happen when you come to a church setting, and you find that the biblical level of giving begins at 10%, you could think, well, there's no way. I'm not there. It's hopeless. And it can never happen. What that is, is you're looking at the packet of seeds and you're not opening the packet. You may not have the faith to give 10%. It is a matter of faith. And it is a matter of obedience. But if you're not at 10, it's easy in our world to be extreme and say, well, I can't give 10. You know what then? I won't give anything. That's the biggest mistake. Don't stop your growth and the opportunity to extend faith and to follow what God says. So if you can't do 10, start with what you can start. If it's one, start with one. Ask God to grow your faith. If you can give one and you've seen him come through, give two. Let's say you give two for a while and you're seeing God come through and that money that you thought you would miss, you're seeing it extend and God's blessing you. You could go from two and you could go to five. Wherever you are, start where you are. Don't miss the opportunity to begin again because things seem so far off, but take the measure of faith that God has given you and be obedient. You can't maybe dig six foot of trench yet, but dig a half a foot. You get what I'm saying? Start where you are. The scriptures say this, Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. The honor here is not an idea. It's not like, thank you, God. The honor then Literally, it's, it's, it's a weight, it's heavy. There's this heaviness. God's given me this life. That's very important. It's very valuable. I'm carrying this with me. The honor here is not an idea like God thank you, but the honor translates into action. And that's why giving is so important. Honor the Lord with all your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. So the idea is you give first. Many times in life, you live life, you pay for everything, you do everything, and at the end, I'll see what's left for God. But in terms of honor, is that honoring to give the leftovers to the one who made us? No. So we need to give first. You give off the, te- the, off the top. And then two, save for emergencies. I'm gonna move through these quick. Proverbs 22, three. Proverbs are just wisdom literature. That's why we're digging in. It says the prudent sees danger and hides himself but the simple go on and suffer for it. Now, what does that have to do with save? The idea is, will things break in your house? Yes. Will your cars break down? Yes. You got to save for things that are unexpected. The idea that Prince sees danger and hides himself, like you're not hiding yourself and running from it, but you're seeing this and you're planning. Just like to hide means, where could I hide? What do I need to do? How do I make it happen? But the simple, you just go on. And what do you get? You suffer. So save for emergencies prevents suffering. Okay, next. Moving on here. Get out of the debt trap. If you're in debt, it is like a shackle on your life and on your heart. 
and it can weigh you down. So get out of that trap as soon as possible. Proverbs 22 says this, be not one of those who give pledges who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? If I don't have money for it, should I buy it? That's what that's saying. It's talking specifically in verse 26 about pledging, giving securities for somebody else, loaning them money. But then 27 is a principle. If you don't have money, but you're making decisions based on the money that you don't have, even what you do have will be taken. And you see that with debt. There's a whole industry of debt to get money out of you. And so get out of that debt trap. Again, we, we can help. Uh, the last, live on the rest. Again, oh, sorry, save. Did I miss that one? Save for the short term and the long term. So once your debt is paid off, so you'll notice if you add up these percentages, 110%. We like to do math here at Ridgeview. But once you get out of the debt trap, then you can invest. If you're in debt, get out of debt first. That's really important because then you're free now to make the investment. You could see that Proverbs 6. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The work is happening before it needs to happen. It's better to make investments and think of your financial future now than to get to the place years from now where you wish you did something. This is wise. If you follow this, this will help you. Save for the short and the long term. And then the last, like I already mentioned, live on the rest. Enjoy life. Go out to eat with your family. Make wise decisions because you might have to go out to debt these days to actually eat out. But it doesn't mean that you just are at home. You're like, being a Christian's great. Can't run my air or my electricity. Can't go out with anyone. Don't you want to follow him too? <laughs> no, live. Live. Enjoy life. God's given it to us. It's a gift. That's what we want to do as a church. We want to be a community. We want to live together. We don't want to live together. We want to live with each other. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that just got really weird. <laughs> so we're all going to invest in housing, guys. Don't listen to a guy that says that. But we, we, do, need to, we do need to live and. Proverbs 15, close with this scripture. It says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. The reason I say this, you may feel like, man, I, I, I don't even have enough money. I'm really struggling. The value of this is if you fear God, that, that is, I'm gonna take him seriously. I wanna do what he says. Your life will be better if you hardly have any money, but you obey God. Then have tons of money and disobey him. Take that to the spiritual bank. That's truth that we need. Because how many of us can look out in our culture and the people with the most money are the most miserable? Because it's true. This is true. God's word is real. So begin to take God seriously wherever you are. So I wanna close with the next steps as the band comes up. I know that I've gone through this quick. There's been a lot of scriptures. Again, the scripture, something you wanna dig into more, mark that. Read that for yourself. Proverbs are a great place to start. And I've given you a lot of Proverbs that you can look at related uh, to this area. So here's some next steps. I encourage you to, to take this this week. 
This is something that you actually can do in your life in real time. First, daily this week, thank God for the gifts he's given you. Do you have gifts that he's given you? Everybody do this. You have one. It's that breath that you just took. It's your life. You thank him for your life. And from that, there's many other things. But daily, decide that. That that will help your perspective. And then identify one way that you're out of order financially where maybe your percentages are off. Maybe you're struggling. Um, Is it giving, saving, spending, debt? And so, again, the giving is is 10%. You want to save 10%. You can live spending off the 70 and then debt 10%. So where is that off? Where, where, where are some things that you need to do to make some changes? And then the last, again, this is to give you real help and support. Um, if you let us know this on your connection card, please send me resource recommendations. We have some resources that will send uh, you know, ideas to you for you to dig in further. Now, we can't do that work for you. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance. So to dig out the trench, you need to do some work. And here's some resources that we can... We'll send you, but we'll, we'll send it to you as through an email so you can access the link, find out how to purchase it. A Managing God's Money by Randy Alcorn, really helpful. Anything Randy Alcorn writes related to finances and money is gold. It's really good perspective. Uh, that's the book right there. The second resource, uh, The Total Money Makeover, Proven Plan for Financial Fitness by Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has a lot of really helpful things. You've probably heard of him. He actually has a national radio broadcast, talks a lot about this. Uh, this is a really helpful book, really good principles. Uh, another a resource where you can find a lot of free uh, things is Financial Peace University. There's video teaching, and there's online versions of that. This is for those like you really do want to make progress because this will take you on a course, and you have to pay money for it. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want it that much. Well, if you do, you're willing to pay money for it. Uh, just don't go into debt to do it, okay? Um, But on this page, the link that we'll send you has a lot of free resources. So if you need help, take a step forward. Let us know how we can help you, and we'll come alongside you. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series talking about another area where we can begin again, and that's the area of work, the grind, the hustle. How can we begin again with the responsibilities that we have? So let's pray together. Hope to see you next week. God, we thank you for your word which guides us, which helps us, which leads us forward. I've made so many mistakes in my life, God. And as I look back and as I look currently at my life and as I look ahead, you have always been there to help me. And I know that that's true for many that follow you, that you are a trustworthy God. I pray for those who are struggling and feel like it's too late and they can't move forward. Will you just help them realize and soften their hearts to just take a step forward, to trust you, to allow you to guide them? God, I just pray for anyone who's in just real financial trouble. I just pray against discouragement and disappointment. And God, I pray for all of us, you will give us a heart of contentment. For from that, we can make wise decisions. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.